Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Thanks as always for uh, listening. We were joined by a former Sunderland defender called David Corner. You may not know his story, but uh, we think you'll be uh, interested in what he's got to say. It's an amazing tale. And uh, the playwright who's been working with him, Jeff Brown. More on that, of course. Um, we were joined by the chairman of South Shields. They've got a uh, celebrity patron, and uh, he told us a little bit about that and what the club are up to. And Gabriel Clark, documentary maker and TV presenter, joined us to chat about his fantastic new film, Finding Jack Charlton. Beyond all of that, we had some clips of the midweek from 2007. And Andy and I, of course, as always, uh, had a bit of a chat about various things. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. All the chat is about uh, Bryson DeChambeau and his uh, massive drive mm. that he's going to dominate the course. And uh, the Sun very helpfully uh, told us that his 403.1-yard drive was three-and-a-half uh, football pitches, 12 blue whales, three bottlenose dolphins, or 33 London buses. Like, I couldn't work out what 400 yards yeah. is because I've never walked 400 yards in my life. <laughs> It's brilliant, isn't it? And uh, they've even laid out the like the the blue nosed dolphins like end to end. What about their really? blowholes? Not, if the I mean, you mean graphics on of them? Graphics of them? Yes, Not, they haven't, they haven't, that <laughs> would be cruel, wouldn't it? Surely, <laughs> that, would, that would liven up the masters. Yeah, it it, it's a, sure. it certainly would. Um, Mark Williams, the snooker player. Have you saw this? He stormed out of the German Masters, and you think, oh, really? Where's German Masters? Where's that? Hamburg, Dortmund, I don't know, Berlin, somewhere nice like that. No, no, Milton Keynes, apparently. <laughs> is this That's because of the, the virus, or I take it, is this as to be? Well, it must be, I suppose, yeah. yeah. You don't Otherwise, someone, some, uh, Barry Hearn's <laughs> geography is well off, isn't it? Imagine that. Yeah, German masters this year, Streatham, and then uh, we've got the Egyptian masters, and uh, that's in Darlington. It's all taken. You're right, Dad, says Eddie. <laughs> no, it must be COVID-related. Must be. It is, I'm yeah. sure, but it does look a bit odd. It said, walked out of the German masters in Milton Keynes yeah. after accusing Paul Davidson of an illegal shot. This, the referee and uh, Mark disagreed about this, that the yeah. ball had... Uh, Davidson, uh, no, who's it? Davidson's cue had hit the yellow. But don't they have VAR in, in snooker? I suppose well, they don't. They, they televise it, don't they? I mean, I suppose you, 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 you can't ask the referee 
to pull off his white gloves and then go and watch the TV replay. <laughs> That'd be yeah. good. At a Stockley Park. I've got something for yeah, the God. listeners, uh, Andy. Uh, oh, this good. Afternoon. Yeah, carry on. And it, it comes under the banner of well, you could have said. Um, it just struck me reading Tony Adams' comments today that uh, Arsenal were in the box seat for Jude Bellingham. Basically, all the groundwork had been done. Uh, to sign him. But then when Mislintat left and Edu came in, um, yes. he got lost in the mix somewhere. He said he didn't know anything about the player, Edu. He didn't know much about English football mm. at that stage. Uh, but don't you have a handover? I mean, surely in, in something... It's a multi-million pound business, isn't it? Uh, like every football club. And it struck me if, you know, you wouldn't want whoever's running that side of things at Arsenal in charge of the intensive care unit, would you? So, so you come in on your morning shift, anything to tell me? Oh, he's already gone home. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to say. Bloke in bed three is having a heart attack. You have a handover in virtually every job you do. Mm, not in football, though. Not in that job. Because, because the last thing you want is, the other is someone else to get yeah, but the, yeah, to get credit for your work. And you're going to another club, so you're thinking, well, I'm not going to tell him about Bellingham. I might want to sign well, Bellingham for my new club. Well, I mean, there must be a few people that were still there in the handover that said, oh, well, we were having a very good close look at Bellingham. So it did strike me that there may be something for the listeners to get stuck into today when a vital piece of information was not passed on. So, well, you could oh, yeah. have told me. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. Sadly. I, I did mean to tell you the house was burning down. I, I didn't know. Anyway, so let us know. Talksport.com. <laughs> Dot com text eight ten eighty nine tweet tsh and j Michael Naylor's been in touch. Uh, we are going to be chatting to David Corner uh, later on, the former Sunderland defender, and he's he's straight in. He said, "Let me be first to put forward the TV format for David Corner." We of course, we haven't asked for it, but uh, he said, yeah, "How about it's, it's Masters idea. Week, Amen Corner, where David plays golf with <laughs> religious figures who get dock shots for all blasphemy." Well, they wouldn't blaspheme, would they? Um, after a poor shot, that's possible, Michael. All right, then, David well, Corner. Do, yeah. I mean, he's, 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 it's a play of his life. It's a fascinating story. I was not aware of this. And it's no, quite a troubling tale, really, mm. and it's a story that's worth telling. So, as is uh, the life story of, of Jack Charlton, especially his time in Ireland and, and his latter years, a brilliant documentary by uh, Gabriel Clark. We, mm. We've both watched it uh, over the last couple of days. I know Adrian Durham, again, thought it was absolutely magnificent. So... Uh, we'll be ch- chatting to Gabriel a little bit later on. You'll get a chance to see that later this month. There's some weird and wonderful transfer stories coming out of Italy, and we'll try and get the strength of those and look ahead to their uh, friendly tonight, as well as uh, Holland versus Spain, which is the pick of the friendlies. I think it's going to be on Sky if you need a football fix tonight. And uh, they've had a few problems in the Dutch camp with uh, COVID, so we'll tell you more about that. Could be a slight knock-on effect for Premier League players that are in the squad as well. So more on that later. Sadly, uh, Edu did know uh, Pepe. <laughs> Might not have known Bellingham, but he did know who Pepe was, and they yeah. signed him for seventy-two million. Yeah. And now he's not happy. He's that's right. Is, <laughs> is that's that classic thing of going on international duty and and sort of spilling the beans, isn't it? I mean, I'm not. I wanted more game time. You know, I, I need to be playing more. But um, what about playing better. Well, be better this idea. is what I would imagine a lot of Arsenal fans are probably shouting that at the radio now. You know, the, the, the players might want to play more, but they have to prove they they should be playing. And from what I know of the Arsenal fans, you know, he's been a bit hit and miss so far, hasn't he? Oh, good news on the Arsenal front, though. Normally, I wouldn't rejoice uh, in, in any Arsenal news, obviously, as a Tottenham fan, but I was very pleased to see Gunnosaurus back. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah it's great news, isn't it? There he is. He was doing a thing with the junior gunners. I think his, his contract might be slightly different now. He needs Keir Jurabshin, doesn't he? Kind of, <laughs> he shouldn't does. Keir <laughs> get behind Gunnosaurus? He'd be on great money and he'd, he'd, his future yeah. would be but nobody else would sign him. He can't go to Juventus or something. <laughs> you can't PSG. use that as a stick. <laughs> Unless he gets what he wants. Well, he's only got to pull the shirt off. That Wouldn't that be a good story if he's suddenly yep. uh, athletic Bill Bells? Paris saint Gunasaurus, yeah, you have yeah, the, the, yeah. their kit on. I can't think of any Problem. other football club that has dinosaur connotations. Um, Can I suggest, ooh, ooh, it's a corner, basically. Yeah. <laughs> basically, certain people, you're faced with a line of people, and you have to guess which people are members of the corner family. Okay, and that's what but, you shout when you go along the line, yeah. like, a, ooh, ooh, it's a corner, you shout one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. it, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We're going to uh, take you back to the 1985 League Cup or Milk Cup finals. It was then. Uh, cue Barry Davis. Good play by John Dean. It's still in. Shannon. The tackle. Oh, and it's an own goal. Came off Chisholm. Asa Hartford claiming it. But it got a deflection. And what a start to the second half, right in front of their own supporters. So there it proved to be the only goal of the game. Norwich beat <coughs> Sunderland uh, 1-0. And in the build-up uh, to that goal, there was a little moment where then 18-year-old Sunderland uh, centre-back David Corner trying to shepherd the ball out by the corner flag. John Dean nipped in. We see it often, kept the ball alive. And the rest is history. It led uh, to the winning goal. Now, it was the sort of thing that can happen to any player. Uh, and it wasn't a kind of serious mistake, but it had fairly long-lasting consequences for David Corner. And uh, we know that because there is a play of his life. It's written by uh, a TV presenter uh, and now playwright Jeff Brown. And, and both David and Jeff join us. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. David, first off, I mean, little did you know, just uh, sort of, as I said, it's, it's not a catastrophic error. It was the sort of thing that can happen in games. It didn't lead to the winning goal, although there was a penalty miss, wasn't it, by Clive Walker later in the game. Clive so, Walker. Yeah, you might have thought that, the, the, you know, the focus would have been on him. But you had a tough time after that, being a local lad, didn't you, when you, when you encountered fans in, in years afterwards? Yes, well, f- first of all, it was a dream come true for a local lad to play for his hometown team in a national cup final at Wembley in front of 100,000 people and 9, 10 million on the TV. It was a dream. Um, but obviously with uh, that mistake, uh, things turned into a, a bit of a nightmare uh, over the next uh, 35 years. So it hasn't got on long, really, just 35 years. Wow. And you, you say you were attacked in clubs uh, a few times by people that people never forgot it. I mean, and even as a police officer, in years later, people would... You'd encounter people who remembered it um, in, in odd circumstances. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, on two occasions I was assaulted um, where um, I spent 12 days in hospital. Cool. 12 days and night in hospital at one point, uh, breaking an eye socket, a, a cheekbone. Um, on another occasion I was assaulted at a pub where the, the front teeth were knocked out, uh, six stitches above uh, my lip. Uh, so they, they weren't nice. In the main, they, they were just verbal abuse, uh, which I could handle, you know, even though it wasn't very nice and intimidating. It's clock was going out at times. But uh, there weren't nice times at uh, those particular occasions. No, of course. It's, it's really hard to believe people could react like that. And interestingly enough, reading about this, the, the referee, Neil Midgley, told you something quite revealing, didn't he? Or told John Dean actually. 
Well, he actually told John Dean, uh, Jeff got this story yeah. from uh, another former player. Um, and uh, he didn't tell me until just before the play came, came on, on stage for the first time. And he said that there is a twist in the tail at the end. And... Uh, <laughs> I had to do a rewrite, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff, it, it's interesting. What, how are you drawn to this story? Did you know David's story, or how, how did you hear about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've, I'm on my TV presenter now. I've covered football up here for sort of thirty odd years, mm. um, and um, I was uh, actually was on the Birmingham Post and Mail at the time of the cup final. But I was there, um, and obviously, I, I came back to the northeast and and covered Sunderland for a lot of years. Knew David's story, knew all the, all the horror stories about it, and then um, yeah, it was just it, it it was something that just kept kept repeating. I mean, Dave, even a few years ago, Dave came on to do a halftime draw you know, at the Stadium of Light, and a few people were still booing. And I thought, why why can't people get over this? It's yeah, so it's long ago. Um, and every, you know, every journalist thinks they've got a great novel or, a, or something inside them. And I, I'd enrolled on a playwriting course, and um, and they always say write about the things you know. And and just one, they always say you have your best ideas at night. I woke up one morning and thought, David Corr, that's a great story. Why not? So I approached Dave, and um, he, you know, he was a bit bemused at first, I think. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but then he, he came on board, and it was just about getting a bit of redemption for him, uh, as, as much as anything. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, David. Has it been cathartic, this play being produced and people looking upon it much more sympathetically, I'd imagine, now? Without doubt. It's, uh, it's certainly got some redemption, as Jeff says. Um, you know, go around now and pe- people, I think, see things in a different light these days, you know. Uh, I was just pleased there was no social media around at the time because uh, it would have been probably a lot worse, you know. Um, but certainly people look at me now and can't believe how I, how I was threatened by, uh, by others and... Uh, they, they are a bit uh, sympathy, empathy, and uh, they, they all look on my side now, so it's, it's, it's not too bad. It's turned out okay in the end. Jeff, you, you had a successful run of the play up in the northeast, but of course uh, the virus has put paint to that at the moment. But you've, there's an audio book coming out, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the thing about plays as well is that you know once you've you, once you've written them, the hard part is getting them produced. Once you go produced, it's on, and then it. It's gone. Um, so, yeah, at the back of my mind, actually, my, my boss came to see it and he, um, when we revived it uh, a couple of years ago, and he said, "Look, this is—you could turn this into an audio book because it's a monologue." Mm. And um, and so, yeah, we it, it, eventually I've, I've, I've narrated it. So I'm, I'm Davy. Um, I've narrated the story, and uh, we've, it's, the official launch is next week, which which coincides with UK Anti-Bullying Week. Right. Um, so it's it's out on iTunes now, and and it's raising money for um, all property called the Foundation of Light, which is a charity sort of charity arm of, of, of the football club, Sunderland Football Club, which um, looks after underprivileged families, needy families in the northeast, of which sadly there are far too many. Yeah, David, were you pleased with the casting? Yeah, was the, was the the person playing you sort of handsome enough for you? Were you pleased? It, it was actually quite frightening. Because, uh, <laughs> everybody who came says. The, the, there was actually uh, people on, uh, sitting on the table with myself and uh, they couldn't believe they had to take a second look. They took looked on stage and then looked at me because they thought I'd gone on stage, you know. And uh, that, that couldn't believe because I was, I was quite upset at that because the lad who played me was 10 years older than me, you know. And uh, But uh, he, he, he was very uncanny at the time because he, he, he did look a lot like me. So, he, But he was very, very good. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, he wasn't a football fan either, which was great. And I did when, when we did the first read through, hmm. I, I, I said, you know, do, do, you, do you think you can cope with this? And he said, I'm an actor. 
That's what I do. I say, yeah, fair point. <laughs> Steve Arnott was his name. He's Steve, not, not yeah. Steve Arnott from Line of Duty. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, that's quite no, no, an no, infamous yeah. name there, of course, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jeff, this is the sort of story you'd expect from South America or Italy. Were you surprised that the Sunderland fans had the depth of feeling? Not all of them, obviously. I would imagine a lot of them were quite sympathetic. But the ones that did have a go at David. I, I think it's probably not peculiar to the North East. I mean, it is, football is a passion up here. Um, but it, it probably didn't help Davies' cause that he was he's six foot and ginger and so very, very visible. And, and, you know, people do pick on things like that. He's got ginger hair, let's, you know, it's an easy target. Um, and also, I think there's an element of, you know, do, do people up here love to see local lads getting into their team uh, and doing well. Um, but when they don't do well, is it, there's a, I think there's a hint of jealousy, a bit of, you know, I could have done better. How come he's in the team? I could have done that. I could have been playing for Sunderland and I would have done a better job than him. And But the, the, the point of the player was, was you know, one mistake, literally a split second. We all make split-second decisions. Yeah. And, and you know, generally 99 times, 990 times out of 1,000, you'll brush them off. This one split-second decision sort of defined Derby's life for, for, he says, 35 years. Wow. He still gets people today reminding him of it. And finally, Davis, it was it was a bit of a sliding doors moment. If if that if John Dean had come over and you just kicked that into touch, how different do you think life would have been? Would you have? I mean, you had a knee injury, didn't you, uh, which stopped your playing career, so it wasn't related to this. But yes, it was yeah, interesting right. how life would have been different for you had you just uh, tapped a ball into touch. Oh, definitely so. I mean, how things would have changed, I, I don't know. Because I might not have been on the radio today, you know, if I had <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. recognised me uh, walking down the street. Um, but I wouldn't have had the the abuse. But I, I would never ever change anything what's happened to me. Uh, if somebody says give me the option of playing in a national league cup final for your hometown team, who I supported all the way through, all all my life, you know, I used to stand at the rope end uh, watching the types of Gary Rowell, and I ended up playing with Gary Rowell, you know, on the same pitch, same team, and it was just a dream come true. Um, just just on that note, Gary was actually so for Norwich on that particular day, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, was just it was a great time, but uh, there, there were some nasty times after. But it's it, it levelled off the house. It's not too bad. That's good. Well, look, good to talk to you, David, and good to talk to you, Jeff. Let's hope that you know when we're through all this, you can mm. you can maybe take this on tour again, and, and people can see it around the country. So uh, thanks for joining us, both of you. Cheers. There we are. This Jeff Brown, there, uh, mm. TV presenter and playwright, David Corner, the former it's... Sunderland defender. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. We stay in the northeast, having spoken to David Corner, the former uh, Sunderland defender, about the play of his life. And uh, we spoke yesterday about uh, Wrexham and Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, the uh, Hollywood actors looking to invest in the club. A bit of, a bit of stardust, a bit of showbiz stardust. Uh, it doesn't go amiss when you're running a, a football club. And that's true of the uh, Northern Premier League, South Shields FC, who have... Uh, have just seen Jade from Little Mix, Jade Thurwell, invest in the club. Uh, here to tell us more is the uh, the club's chairman, Jeff Thompson. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So this is this is not the first time she's had a connection with the club. She's already sort of involved because it's it, she's local, isn't she? Yeah, she's a South Shields girl. Um, she's our honorary president, and um, you know she's certainly never forgotten her roots. She's um, you know, a patron of a local South Shields charity called Cancer Connections, and she's invested in her own bar and, and uh, nightclub in the town. But yes, she's already got a connection with the club, and I'm delighted to say she's been very supportive. 
Yeah, this is a part of a whole movement, isn't it, that you've got to, to get people to invest. It's, I gather 750 people have already shown their support. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously difficult times with COVID, but we planned uh, we planned this way before the COVID outbreak and we pulled the idea back in uh, April, which is when we originally planned to launch it. Uh, anyway, we, we, we relaunched or we, we launched it in, uh, well, about a month back now. Um, the idea was always to allow our club to become increasingly a community-owned club. And that's what we're, we're about. You know, that's what we're... We're setting about now. We, uh, I'm delighted to say, as you said, you know, over 750 people have invested. Jade making a sizable investment, which is terrific. Um, and we've already raised approaching £300,000. And again, every single penny raised is going into the club. So, you know, the fans and, and basically football fans generally uh, have an opportunity to be part owners of a football club. Was this launch, Jeff, sort of once the virus had taken hold or something you'd planned before the virus hit? No, yeah, thank you for saying so, because I must stress it's been always our long-term plan. We've always said we want to create a, a sustainable, community-owned football club. That was always my objective. And unfortunately, the COVID uh, outbreak back in sort of March delayed matters, and, and we did pull the, the plan back then. But certainly, you know, we felt we couldn't delay any further. Delighted the way that you know, fans have, have responded and obviously certain celebrities, including Jade particularly. So it's 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 great news that it's got it's gone well. As I say, we set a target of two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. We've raised now approaching three hundred thousand pounds and the the, uh, the opportunity is still open for a further sort of I think it's around fifteen days still. Um so yeah, everything's gone well and as I say it was always part of a long term plan, a community owned club. We deliver an awful lot, um not just, you know, the first team results and the effect that has on our town and on our community, but we've got our two academies, we've got our charitable foundation. So the club tries to represent its local town and, and does an awful lot of good work within the community. And uh, Jade, of course, is very, very busy with the little mix, but does she get time to come down and watch the game? Obviously not now, but I mean, pr prior to COVID. Yeah, she has been. Yeah, absolutely. And her family come along regularly. So uh, I'm pleased to say, yes, she does come to games and she does provide that sort of, you know, visible support as well as the financial contribution that she's made. And you, you don't have to run out to shout out to my ex or anything like that. There's no, there's, <laughs> there's no conditions. Yeah. I, th I think there's a bit of a scrum about who wants to sit next to her, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, no, no, she, she comes along and uh, very discreetly enjoys a g game of football and some, you know, some hospitality yeah. uh, at the club. So, I mean, well, obviously what you there's said... Pick, had... there's... Sorry, Andy, carry on. Oh, sorry, Paul, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There's a um, picture of Jade uh, wearing the shirt, and she looks great, and uh, obviously probably a lot better than some of your supporters, I'd imagine. <laughs> a bit harsh. Well, in, in, including, <laughs> including myself, I have to say, absolutely. <laughs> well, you uh... know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's, uh, she, you know, again, she's been incredibly supportive of the club, and yes, she comes along and she's done one or two photo things for us, but um, and more importantly, has come along with her family and enjoyed a, a good day out and enjoyed yeah. the football and, and enjoyed our match day hospitality so you know i couldn't be more proud of the fact that she's she's supporting us yeah it's great that she's she's supporting the local area that's brilliant and just one final one you've had a decent little cup run that sadly just come to an end haven't you jeff yeah i mean it wasn't to be on saturday we yeah. uh we played well i felt you might have seen the highlights just on sort of bbc sport but if you'd seen our streamed highlights i think we gave cheltenham with the greatest respect a very good game we uh, got it back to 1-1 after about 17 minutes and then uh 
We had a couple of chances that might have got us, uh, you know, got our noses ahead. But it wasn't to be. All credit to Cheltenham. Our lads did us proud. And uh, we've got to dust ourselves down and now refocus on, well, the trophy and the league. But of course, only when football's safe to return, hopefully in early December. Well, Jeff, good to talk to you. Uh, all the best uh, with the the, uh, the fundraising and uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Shall I shall I put you two down for a, a ticket next to Jade at the next home well, match? If you, if you like. Oh, very yeah, much yeah, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, we, when we can socially distance. Yeah, when we don't have to socially distance, obviously. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks very much. Thanks. There we are, Jeff Thompson there, the chairman of uh, South Shields FC. Um, yeah, Jade, Jade sounds great, but uh, it was a piece about Little Mix yesterday that caught my eye in uh, one of the showbiz columns. And I often mm. think that people who write these columns, I don't know, do they go home and have a sort of like think about their whole lives? Because this is what this bloke wrote. He said, it's hard to recall life before Little Mix. Well, I don't know. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> so it's, it's like thing to BLM, say. is it? I mean, and <laughs> yeah. A... LM. That's the way you look at it's the way you view yeah, the world. I do. That's I mean, certainly it will be it will be from now on. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport. Later on this month, a fine documentary, Finding Jack Charlton, will be released. Uh, We're going to be chatting to Gabriel Clark very shortly, one of the men behind it. But before that, let's give you a flavour of the film uh, from the trailer. What's football about? You're at Wembley Stadium and a ball is crossed from the right wing and you go, boom, That's his medal. People say to me, was that the most memorable day of your life? Joys and management are totally different to Joys as a player. He's not the same, Jack. He's dementia. I couldn't remember a lot of the memories. And it's a shame because he's had some good memories. My dad made notes. I'm a batterer, a fowler. <laughs> what are you clapping for? On players, family and tactics. We kept them all. 
Yeah, they're a fascinating part of the documentary as well. Uh, Gabriel Clark joins us now. Hi, Gabriel. Afternoon. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, we're good. Look, first off, congratulations. It's, it's a wonderful film. And, and one of the things that makes it special, I think, is the access you had to Jack and his family in the last two years of his life to film. And, I mean, what a great sort of honour and a privilege that, that must have been for you, to, I mean, to, to be given the trust to, to go and do that by Jack and his family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we um, we had on board as well Andy Townsend with us, uh, who obviously captained Jack's side in 94 and won 80-odd caps. And Andy was also helpful in that sense. Um, but yes, Pat Charlton and John Charlton and Jack and the family, um, it was uh, a pleasure working with them. And um, it was, as you say, Paul, it was a, a privilege. It's a great story, beautifully told. I loved it too. And uh, the, the contrast between Jack's playing and managing career and his life and his liveliness and his humour to how he was at the end, it, it really is a, a portrait of what Alzheimer's can do to a person. It's, and from that point, it's very moving. Yes, uh, I think as well, Andy, that um, one of the things that we uh, wanted to do as well as be authentic in, in documenting that was also to show that uh, people can live with dementia and their lives can be very busy and active. And that certainly was the case with Jack um, and Pat. That was something that, um, you know, they certainly didn't want him to be defined by that and that the film to um, in any way follow that path either. So I think we, we were very wary and uh, careful to strike that balance so that when you do come back to the scenes, the contemporary scenes that we've filmed, um, there's also something hopefully inspirational about them. And as well as gaining an understanding of uh, the condition, you're also able to see Jack still, elements of Jack that are still very much like he, he always was. And I think that's something that um, certainly when you, you talk to the Alzheimer's Society and people who are involved with this on a day-to-day -day basis, that this that lives can still be lived with it as hard as it obviously is and, and becomes. Those little windows that open up, I mean, if anybody who's mm. lived with someone and knows somebody who's had dementia um, will know that feeling. I experienced it with my mother-in-law. You just get, suddenly you think, where did that come from? You know, you think there's nothing happening and then they'll say a name or they'll see something, they'll react to it. And, and, and you, it, it's a jolt for you. And we see that when he watches some footage of Paul McGrath and, he's, and he just suddenly says mm. out of nowhere, watch it. He's been kind of fairly blankly watching the footage and he just says, Paul McGrath. And then there's other moments like that, aren't there, Gabriel, where he just, you just get that little window on, on the fact that, that, that Jack is still there. He's still in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that was something that we discussed with Pat Charlton and his wife, uh, something that we obviously wanted to do. And she she was uh, happy for us to do that. And I think it, it yeah, it, that, that is the condition. I think obviously short term memory is is very is very difficult, if not impossible. Um, and, and that sense of detachment for the uh, for the person who's living with dementia. But then when you, you, you just have those moments, obviously watching old footage, um, listening to music that's recognizable that, that goes back to your past past as well um and and yeah it was it was wonderful to see that and I, and I think that's that's obviously something that um those involved with the condition encourage encourage you to do and um there was another great moment in the film when jack's jack's at his local his son's pub and and uh together as a family with his grandchildren they're watching back jack the documentarian 
and um, there's a, it's, it's just a wonderful moment when you see his grandchildren yes. uh, almost dis disbelieving that, wow, that, that, that's granddad presenting a, a documentary. Mm. I think it was the same for the family there. It wasn't just, it wasn't the, the more typical Jack the footballer. It was this, and that was one of the, the also the other reasons that, that really appealed to me about this documentary as well was Jack was much more than just a manager and more than just a footballer. He was interested in many aspects of life and uh, where he came from. And we were able to thread that in, in that scene, which um, uh, hopefully is, was really, really inspiring, I felt, yeah. uh, at that, that particular moment. It's, it's also, Gabriel, a celebration of his career and uh, mm, yeah. from the, the World Cup and, and before that, but uh, an awful lot about his time with Ireland and, and just how important a figure he was in Irish football and in Irish life. I mean, that's the thing. You look at the idea of an Englishman in, in that environment, as you point out in the film, in that climate at that time, for an Englishman to go in and manage the Republic of Ireland team, you know, it, it, it was pushback, but they, they learnt to love him. Yeah, extraordinary, and, and something that almost becomes more extraordinary as the years go by. Obviously, the Republic of Ireland playing England this week, and they'd, they'd love to have a, a team that was similar to the one that, that Jack built. I think, um, you know, that was one of the, maybe the, the original thread for doing the documentary was this sense of the Englishman who went to Ireland and within nine years had transformed not just their football, but also the, the nation's self-image. And, and it, I'm not saying that. It's said in the film by people like Larry Mullen of U2, uh, by Roddy Doyle, the author, by, by those who lived through it, Irish people who lived through it and experienced it. And also, I think it, we, we're hopefully able to demonstrate it with a lot of unseen footage, with Jack's notes, with material that hasn't been seen before. So a lot of what is sort of apocryphal and the sense of this Englishman who went over there and had a great crack with the players and they all followed him like the Pied Piper. But there was more to it than that. There was a lot of not only great football philosophy and wisdom that, that went into it, but also from Jack's point of view, I think a lot of genuine statesmanship, which he had naturally, this ability to connect with people beyond just football, which he had naturally, which I think is one of the reasons, hopefully, why his story stands out through this film. I like the way you've interwoven lots of different stories within the, the main story and the, the stuff, of course, about dementia. And that's things like David O'Leary talking about how he'd been left out in the cold, but then had to take that penalty, probably one of the most pressurised penalties of all time. And then all the Paul McGrath stuff. I thought the film was very clever in that way. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like any film, you have to pick a path, you know, and, and I'm sure that there'll be... Uh, those who watched the film or who, who wish there would have been element, certain, certain more of certain things in it because Jack's life was so so full. His, his son John says in the film he lived ten lifetimes in one, and it, it's close to <laughs> it's close to being accurate. But you you do have to pick a path. Now, obviously, one of one of the um, great ironies was that one of the first players that Jack um, had to uh, ostracise was the brilliantly talented David O'Leary just because he, he didn't suit his idea of what a centre-half should be in the team he was building and the style they wanted to play. But as he says, when I, and he got a lot of criticism for that at the time, but by 1990, of course, David was still in the squad. Uh, when I need him, I'll call him up. And, and it was David who scored the penalty. And, and uh, it is a wonderful little subplot in itself. And David talks 
very openly and honestly in the film about that. And uh, and then Paul McGraw was was just an exceptional story. You read Paul's book and which we did before we filmed with him and and it's it's his own story is astonishing. So we had to touch on that in some shape or form because of what he rec he almost represented at that time for to be a black. Uh, person in, in Ireland at that time, in football at, at that time. And then, of course, he had other issues that went along with that. And how Jack managed him was its own little story, its own huge story, which peaked in 1994 with one of the great performances by an Irish player. So it was a, it was a pleasure, again, to thread that through the bigger story, as you say, and hopefully that resonates with people. One of the other threads of the film is Jack's relationship with his brother Bobby, and, it, and that's that's mm. fascinating as well as that unfolds. And you know, we've always understood there was a family falling out that, that was an issue, but you also sense, Gabriel, from watching the film, that ultimately they were very different men. You know, they were brought up in the same way by the same parents and a very strong sort of figure in their mum, but they were very different men, and that really comes across uh, in the film. Yes, I think I think the expression is united by the same blood, but not the same character. Mm. And uh, yeah, that 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 was the case. I, the, the relationship you get the sense from looking back at very old footage. And bear in mind, these were two very famous men, young men, by 1960 almost, when uh, football was starting to come on to, onto television. I mean, the Charlton family were well known at that point, largely Bobby, of course, but Jack too, and. And, and you didn't, you did, you don't detect a great deal of warmth at that at that time. Um, it, it's to do with their background, of course. But I mean, one of the things that we we managed to find some footage though in the film of um, Bobby with Jack after mm. Ireland beaten Romania, and it it it's, it, it resonated certainly with the family, Jack's family, because it was one of the few times I think where where Jack was able to listen to Bobby. Um, say how proud he was of him as a manager, and that that meant a lot. That moment, of course, those moments weren't, you know, it was it was rare, but it it was wonderful to to get that moment into the film as well. Well, Gabriel, good to talk to you. Now we know, sorry, you know, we're fans of, of your work, but I'd say that this is your finest hour. It was uh, excellent, so we wish yeah, you well with absolutely it. Absolutely brilliant. But thank thank you guys. It's a pleasure to talk to you as ever. Appreciate your support. So, Finding Jack Chong, released on DVD and digital download from uh, November the 23rd, and uh, we highly recommend it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Yeah, it's very interesting, Paul, you can tell it's International Week because my first lot of stories were all sport. And the next time when I look at my list here, there's virtually no sport at all. So don't say to me, oh, that's not sport. Okay, can you bring any of it back to sport? <laughs> well, Colleen and Rebecca, God, you're going to be... That's virtually be a sport story. <laughs> They're going to be in court next week. It's going to be a bit of light relief for all of us. Mm. And uh, But I just can't see the case taking that long. Surely the, the judge is going to say to the son, well, who gave you the story? And then presumably at court, they've got to say who gave them the story. And that'll be seen, the end of the case. Have you not seen all the president's men? <laughs> and not that I'm suggesting at all that the downfall of Richard Nixon and Colleen Rooney. And yeah, anyway, you get the idea. 
Mm. Uh, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, we've had a couple yes. of these emails, Andy, coming from the listeners uh, in, in various areas. David Corner joined us earlier on, the former Sunderland uh, defender, who's mm. now got a play of his life story after a little minor uh, mistake in a in League Cup final. 85 led to years of torment from people attacking him, etc. It's a, a terrible tale. But uh, that hasn't stopped you coming up with, with you know, it's with a happy ending. Uh, life is very different for David now. But Gavin Johnson suggests a TV format for David, Muller Corner. German football legend Gert Muller teams up with David to research what new daring flavours consumers would like, to have, uh, would like to have made to increase further the popularity of the two-in-one yoghurt dessert. Well, that's, that's you know, Greg, Greg Wallace wouldn't say no to that as a format, so I think you could see it being made. Uh, we've got Mark Carter, old mate Mark Carter, says, Corner Man. David takes up a position in, uh, as a corner man for Tyson Fury's upcoming fight in a new Channel 4 documentary. Yeah, that's, that is quite literal, uh, Mark, but you could see it being made Corneration Street oh for goodness sake Martin that's rubbish David looks into the history of the nation's best loved soap and talks to the actors involved Cor- <laughs> Corneration Street for goodness sake he just call it Coronation Street with David Corner wouldn't yeah, that's I've what got, you would uh, yeah. I did come up with Corner Flag oh, that's, yeah. uh, David does <clears> the marathon <throat> and we join him just as he hits the wall and lags behind all the other runners but yeah. I thought that would possibly work but it obviously didn't I've got, and, I've got a title but no format for Meet Me on the Corner simply because it's a Lindisfarne song and it's a North East thing but I don't know that's true I don't, what, what would it be like a kind of uh, long lost relatives type thing a sort of um, or, something like that um, me of Burnley <laughs> see meet meet me on the corner yeah David me. Corner and Ben <laughs> Me uh, get together that's and, rubbish, and just it? have a chat and that's got a very limited format I'd say and very not, limited not yeah. much you can do with that I've, I've been quite excited though because I've been reading about the new series of The Crown I don't know if oh, you're yeah, a fan I'm a big, of it. I'm a big fan of it yeah. well you made me watch it because you kept telling me you'd watched it and I'd seen I thought it looked a bit a bit soapy and I thought I'm not sure mm. but I, oh no it's brilliantly made and uh, I know I'm a convert I'll be I'll be there Sunday, rattling through a few uh, of the episodes. It's very well done. The plot uh, this week uh, features, uh, I didn't know about these two, the forgotten royal cousins hidden from the world at the National Asylum for Idiots, or as we now call it, the Daily Star's letters page. Only joke. Blimey. But, uh, <laughs> Blimey, it's a bit dark. No, I should get one there for that one. And... Um, it's rubbish, and I can't even read that one out. Okay. Uh, what well, else? Have we sorry, got? I've got another. I've got uh, Adrian Durham's been in touch, Andy. He gives us. Oh yes. Corner the cob, where David Corner travels around <laughs> England examining different styles of bread roll. He says brackets a cob is a bread roll in parts of the. Yeah, we're with you on that one, Adrian. We, we understood. <laughs> so he's up at four with. Uh, I don't know if Troy's trying to come up with any. I'm sure he's got better things to do. But Troy Deeney alongside Adrian at four, by the way, with drive. Sorry, Andy. Carry on. Telling children that Santa won't come if they're naughty could cause them psychological problems later in life. And I was thinking, oh, surely not. That's something every parent uses. My own uh, two kids with their kids do that. And I remember doing it with them. It's a great tradition. It's the only way you can control them around Christmas. He always, <laughs> he always does, though, didn't he? They know it's an empty threat because he always, <laughs> he always turns out. I don't know. Is, virus I saw, or no I virus. It w- It'll be there. It worked with my kids. It worked with my grandkids last year. I saw them doing it. And it okay. definitely worked. So that Don't was Don't worry, good. kids. He's, uh, he's coming. As long as you're good, though. Because, you know, he, he, he sees all. 
That's true. Yeah. Uh, so that that's no good at all. Well, and um, <laughs> Andy's editing well, on the hoof. I, am, I don't even. Like this any is the of gold, these. believe it or not. This is the gold. <laughs> imagine the, the stuff you've got. The gold or one. Imagine o'clock. the stuff he's rejecting. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about how significant the coronavirus is, but not according to the historian Dan Snow, Horror. who said the coronavirus pandemic won't be remembered in history and will be overshadowed by climate change and technology. I think. He said it, his view was unfashionable. I said, no, just wrong. How could well, you think that? I mean, sure, yeah. it's a huge, it'll always be talked about forevermore this year, won't yeah. it? I would well, I was saying, so. we were just chatting about this off air, actually, with Fletch and uh, our producer, Jamie, who's with us in the studio. We were just saying, you know, how long will it be before we can sign, put a bit of distance on this and look back on it? But I think there's certain things we won't take mm. for granted anymore. I think it will be a bit of a bit of a shift in people's thinking. But anyway, we've, we've strayed away from... Uh, from other matters, haven't we? You got anything stupid for me? <laughs> <laughs> Madonna's pants are up for auction. Oh, and that's more Ooh. like it. <clears throat> what would you do with them? That's what you'd you could, them, you could wear them for work. <laughs> which ones like, are they? Oh. What's what's specific about what? Which, which ones are they? Uh, let me have a look. They are a pair of black latex briefs worn by Madonna for a magazine shoot, set to fetch seven and a half thousand pounds. Creepy. Who's got all of them? That's a bit weird. I don't think. I don't think it's Graham Bud. <laughs> it wouldn't go. Won't be a true one of his. But I'd like to see you could wear Andy buy and wear them for work. Go on, you, you can afford okay. it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, kind of. It's a little trip down memory lane. Some clips from uh, 2007 um, that were found a little while ago, dusted off, digitised, and we've not heard them since. Our producer has uh, put together a little selection, so hopefully we're going to enjoy them, and so uh, so are you as well. We begin with the former mid-morning host, John Gaunt, starting his show with a surprising announcement. But let's do the first hour on speed. Well, it's 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 bold. I think Probably only take about 37 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you got three hours to fill, John. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> Staying with Gaunty, here he is with Ronnie Irani talking music. Have you ever yeah. been to a concert and seen somebody more than once, John? Uh, yeah, the specials. <laughs> yeah. What, more than once? Millions of times. Serious? Yeah, because just fan- they were just fantastic. Just Dixie's going. Midnight Runners I saw many times. You'd be 40. <laughs> so many times. Yeah, fantastic stuff. <laughs> and Jake, talking about you choose... <laughs> Bit of Jay Giles band there so from Ronnie. Not re- maybe he'd seen them as well, but just didn't uh, just didn't let on. So uh, this is uh, racing expert Derek Tomo Thompson with yet more surprise news. By the way, I woke up to three degrees this morning. Aye, aye. <laughs> you kept that. You kept that quiet, Tomo. Lucky you rascal. <laughs> now, for some reason, we decided to send Mike Parry of all people to the 2007 Rugby World Cup in France <laughs> as our expert Were host. Were we mad? <laughs> we were, and here he is getting a bit of clog from financial reporter Hank Potts. You can just imagine Parry doing these great interviews with these <laughs> yeah. big rugby players. I mean, yeah. they must have to bend down so far uh, in order hey. to speak into the microphone. Excuse me. Absolutely embarrassing. I was for, only, uh, I was only interviewing the legend Francois Pinoir yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Pinot Noir. Yeah, he would bring it back to wine, wouldn't he, Francois Pinot Noir? <laughs> and uh, Hank wasn't the only one giving Mike some stick whilst he was out in Paris. Here he is arguing with a caller. Do you, think I've come, do you think I've come here to have a look? No, I'm not. Do you think I'm here to look at a few paintings in the Loire Museum or something? 
<laughs> the Loire Museum. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Who'd be he could call the Louvre? Own, got his own history show. <laughs> this is Jim Proudfoot introducing a guest. Man who knows Sheffield Wednesday very well uh, joins us on the line now. Howard Wilkinson won the league with Leeds, now chairman of the League Managers Association. Howard, good evening to you. Good, after- good evening, Jim. <laughs> Get a bit confused. Fetch it, Clark Granville. Uh, now, back to Mike Parry again with a caller. And Martin, yourself, what's, uh, what's your business, pal? I'm a carpenter. A carpenter, there you go. If I was a carpenter and you were a lady, would you marry me? Anyway, you know the score. <laughs> the lyrics don't quite fit. He could have equally have sung a carpenter's song, couldn't he? You know, you never know. He could have done. Yeah. That, this is a oh, sorry, oh, sorry, Andy, you carry on, yeah. Yeah, this is a corner to breakfast with Anna Brazil and Ronnie Arani. And if Scotland missed out, at least Italy and France are going to qualify, but... It's Latvia and Iceland is going to put Northern Ireland out. Latvia and Iceland. Oh, dear, Does, Mark. Tesco's will be putting them out next. That's a I said Tesco's will be putting them out next after uh, Iceland. No. It didn't quite work, that one, did it? <laughs> it didn't do, not really. We're no. with it, wrong. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Big Al getting a competition underway. Lee, would you like to go first or Second. Second. You'd like to go first. So, Martin... Second, second, second. (laughs) (laughs) Is it A first or B second, despite what you just said? That's great. He got very angry, the caller there, didn't he? Sorry we're laughing. We haven't heard these for Lord knows how many years. This is new to us. We normally have a dry run of the clips of the week because we're pulling those together, but this is is new to us. Anyway, Andy, carry on. And staying with competitions, here's Ronnie Arani again. We're also presently going to give you a pair of VIP tickets to Brilliant. watch Rangers FC play Olympic Lyonnaise. Oh, that's beautiful, the Italian-French <laughs> club. Lovely, yeah. Uh, and finally, many things have changed over the years, but Alan Brazil's 6 for 6.30 start time to the <laughs> breakfast show, of course, it's a movable feast, isn't one of them. The Alan Brazil Sports Breakfast on Talk Sport. Good morning, eight minutes after six. Very well, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Just got out of the car. Park the car for me. Park the car. Ed, and rushing up the stairs, he was at uh, four minutes past six. So there we are. There's well, some, uh, I enjoyed those. some clips from uh, back in the day in 2007. Hopefully, uh, and you have a lot to say about this, we'll have a fresh batch of clips of the week for you. Uh, at around uh, 3.30 on Friday. Uh, so, um, coming up very shortly, uh, we're going to be... What are we up to? I'm going off to the Masters. We're very much looking forward to that. Mm. Before that, Andy, we'll find ourselves with a little bit of time on our hands. So we can give you a few more <laughs> David Corner. <laughs> so what I'm just going to say to you, Andy, give me <laughs> another good. 12 minutes of your gold. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> David Corner, yeah, we said, the David Corner TV formats, uh, uh, the former mm. Sunderland defender we spoke to earlier on, you seem to be coming up with some nice ideas. Alexis Corner. That's a nice show. Alexis Sanchez and David Corner deliver random humorous requests to Alexa. Yeah, okay, John. It's a limited format. I'm not sure how many people really want to watch that. 
Um, what's this one? About about a, a meaty barbecue competition. Uh, Travelling America for the best meat, says Carl the Evertonian. Cornivore. That doesn't really work either, does it? I'm okay, <laughs> it doesn't yeah, work at all. Discovery. They've got a hole in the schedules, I understand. <laughs> um, what else we got here? Just one corner toe. Our hero takes a tentative... <laughs> Our hero takes a tentative look into the world of the... No, I'm not going down. Who put this up on the screen? You're going to be taken off the air. Um, We'll leave it there. Yeah. (laughs) We probably should. (laughs) I think we probably should. They're getting a bit darker. Yeah, that that one's not suitable either. So, remember the time of day. I'd say it's the school run. I suppose it is still the school run. So, yeah, we have to be I've so I've got careful. one story. It's, it's not funny, but it's just a oh, sort well, of, of well, interest. <laughs> well, no. Okay. Owners, owners of a hair salon in Oakenshaw in West Yorkshire mm. are trying to stay open in lockdown, claiming lawful descent under the 800-year-old laws of Magna Carta. Right. As some sort of rights Did to she do die things, in vain? <laughs> Tony Hancock. But I was asking the wife. Yeah. When do you think... I said... Do you think they had hairdressers 800 years ago? And she said to me, yes, of course they did. And I was thinking, did they? When, yeah. when were the first hairdressers? It's just an hour. If, if you know, let us know. And what's... <laughs> That's I'm going in interested. accidental partridge. When <laughs> was the first hairdressers? But what was the conversation like? Going away this year? Well, I've never been away in my life. It's only so far a horse and cart can get. Really? Yeah, we're thinking Torremolinos this year. Do you want conditioner on it? What's condition? Do you want gravel on it? It's a good point. Yeah. Anyway, so my, there you uh, go. My, my, my old friend Tony, is, uh, his granddad was quite a character. And talking of hair washing, I don't know, I'll catch this as conveniently as I can. When he was a desert rat... Uh, he said uh, they were forced. They they wash their hair. He said in pee and paraffin. I take it, it was his really? own. I take it, it was his own. <laughs> but uh, so I don't know if they... I'm for head and shoulders myself. Yeah, that's. I, I hope Glyn, Gwyneth Paltrow's not listening because that she'll be bottling that. She'll be bottling she that and charging about five hundred quid a bottle for it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll be back tomorrow from one. If you can't listen, as always, uh, the podcast will be available from around five. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four p.m. on Talk Sport. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.